of hope, um, which is like wishful thinking. Hope it doesn't rain this afternoon. I hope Graham doesn't talk too long. You might be disappointed in both of those things. But there's this wishful thinking is, is we use the word hope. But actually when Scripture talks about hope, and it's all through Scripture, it's, the, it's a big theme in Scripture, a big theme in Dostoevsky's writing, it's this sense of that thing that carries you forward. About the same time I was um, doing my deep dive, my ill-fated deep dive into Dostoevsky, um, and may- maybe, I'm pretty sure it was kind of related but I've mentioned this before, when we were down in Victoria and the, um, the church we were a part of had a partnership with, a growing partnership with World Vision. And I had the incredible privilege and opportunity to travel overseas to witness the work of World Vision in some of the most desperate, poor, hopeless communities in, um, in places like um, uh, Kolkata and New Delhi, a place called Kampur, but also in to um, slums in Nairobi as well, and some of the most desperate, hopeless places where it looked like a Dostoevsky, or worse actually. Um, But here were these people, the World Vision crew, and their tools that they were using were community development tools. But their heart on the field, almost to a person in World Vision, on the field, they're people, Christians, who just want to see the kingdom come. But they're using, they're, they're some of the most sharpest community development minds in the world. And I got to walk around these communities and view and, and see it through their eyes of what they're looking for. And as you walk around, one of the things that they would talk to me, particularly in India, that they look out for, and they particularly like to work with children and with young mothers because they find hope is the commodity that they are looking for. Communities are transformed by people with hope. Who will, who will continue to walk forward and believe that things can be better. Makes sense, doesn't it? They look for those people and they find who is most resilient in those environments? Young mothers who are, who are activated by their desire for their children and children because children are naturally buoyant and hopeful. And so most of their work is with that demographic. But one of the things that I remember one day, and it was just, oh, I, we were walking around uh, this community and and the, my my friend who was guiding me po- pointed to a group of children and said, see that child there? There was one sitting down and all the kids were around playing. He said, that's what we look for when the children stop moving. And, and partly because it was broken English and so they were just, you know, it was just getting to the bare facts. So it was quite blunt the way they were saying, but they're saying, children get to a stage where they get a, a sense of reality about their environment and we look to see and they stop moving. They literally, they just sit down because there's no point. And I just think that's, it's such a, a great example of, a great powerful illustration of what hope does. It moves us forward. We're in a time here in the church in the West where um, the impact of the church, again, I don't think this is news to anyone really, but the last two or three decades for the Church of Jesus Christ in the Western world haven't been our best. There's 
it's, it's not like there's people knocking down the doors to come into church. Something is wrong because this is not the picture. This is, I'll tell you what, it's not the picture of the church in the slums in India or in Africa. In, in actually the, mo- the majority of the world, it's not the picture of the church that's living with hope. Something's going on. Something's not right with the church in the West. Um, there's a, a Christian thinker. Um, he's a pastor of a church. That's why I like he's, he's a great philosopher and sort of theologian, but he's also a pastor of a church, a guy called Mark Sayers. And he, what I love about, and I, I listen to, to his thinking, he's great at um, interpreting scripture, but he's great at reading culture as well. And he's observing this fact and talking about what's happening with the church. And he always speaks with hope. So people who death ride the church, I, I tend to switch off because you, you've just not read the end of the book. I, I get where we're at now and we've got a problem, we've got to turn around, but I know how it finishes. So in, in a leadership sense, I find it easy to be drawn forward because I just, I, I trust how it ends. Um, and he's one of those people. But we've got to deal with life as it is now and it's not a great moment for the church, um, for the impact of the gospel and shaping people's lives. He speaks about that and he said, look, a lot of people are talking about a crisis of faith that people in the West, that people are leaving the church. He said, I don't think it's a crisis of faith. I think it's a crisis of hope. That actually, and, and it, there's an, a, a way of speaking about that that sort of says there's a crisis of hope of people not putting their hope in Jesus and you could turn it into an evangelistic message. The people who follow Jesus and within the church, they have hope because they trust in Jesus and people outside don't. He's not saying that. He's saying the opposite. No, the crisis in the church is of hope. There's people who believe the right things and are kind of turning up each week and, you know, reading the Bible. And what, but actually, they're not being drawn forward to act and live out of love. In, in fact, the, um, Paul, uh, sorry, the Apostle Peter was so convinced that hope is meant to be this distinguishing of the church, he said this, but in your... Co- hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Paul talks about in, in the famous Corinthians, thir- one thir- uh, one Corinthians 13 about love, he talks about these three great eternal things, faith, hope and love. Um, they last forever. These are the things that are meant to distinguish followers of Jesus, that they live day by day with faith and hope and love. And you can have, I mentioned before about the sort of two-dimensional photocopied version of, of hope, wishful thinking. There's a two-dimensional f- photocopied um, diminished view of faith that just says, I just believe the right things. My faith in Jesus is because I, I believe this about the Bible and I believe that about Jesus and I believe this about the world. Yeah. That's not what faith is. There's, a, there's a, a photocopied version of love as well, which is, you know, we sort of talk about I, I, the, the love a mother has for a child and then we talk about love, I love peanut M&Ms. You know, it's not the same thing, clearly. So what Peter is talking about here, what Paul is on is there, is, there are these things that are meant to characterise your life And it's not like you carry a set of behaviours around. They carry you around. You are so transformed that regardless of the circumstances, you keep walking and moving and living forward because you believe that there's going to be a better day. 
And Peter says, when you put your hope in Jesus, that's what he's saying, when you revere Christ as Lord, when you go all in and say, Jesus is not just the solution for my eternal problem, but he's the solution for, my, for today. What should I do today? How do I live today? Well, I'm looking to Jesus for that. I'm going to walk. That's why it w- in the first century, originally it wasn't called Christianity. It was called people of the way. I'm just going to walk this way. What way? The way Jesus did. So when your hope for how to live life day by day is in Jesus, Peter says, you are going to walk in such a way. You are going to live life in such a way. He's just I just want you to be ready for this. You do that, people are going to come and ask, what on earth is going on with you? This hope that you live. Um, another one, um, um, there's an Australian theologian, missiologist called Michael Frost, and he talks about living a questionable life. You follow Jesus as actually to live a questionable life because people are just going, what is going on with you? What do you mean? Well, the faith, hope and love that you keep, that just keeps pouring out of you. Not the fake stuff, not the put on behaviours, but you just seem to be full of faith, hope and love. Peter says, if you're fair income about Jesus, again, not just turn up to church on Sunday, but a radical discipleship to say, his way is my way. Just get ready. People are going to ask you questions. Now, I'm looking around in this church and I'm seeing people who live that life and I'm, I'm thankful that I'm part of a church where I see people who live that life. But we've got to be honest to say, we're not, in general, the church is not dripping <laughs> with that kind of approach to faith. The world is not saying, look, stuff everything, we just need to go over to the Christians and ask what's going on over here, are they? So something's wrong. What Mark Sayers says inside the church is it's not a crisis of believing the wrong things. It's a crisis of hope. What are we looking to for hope? Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Or not tricky, we just need to be honest. Can you be a Christian and put your hope in things other than Jesus? Can you be a follower of Jesus, love Jesus, believe the right things, want the right things, but actually look to the wrong things for hope? Mark Sayers says yes. In fact, he feels that's what's going on and it struck me as true that Christians okay we're talking about people inside the the church here look to the world rather than looking to Jesus and he said there's two things that can happen we look to the world for solutions to the challenges of our life rather than looking to Jesus and so and and there's a little bit of inside baseball here he was talking to pastors and so there's a bit here that's kind of a bit about the church um, but you, I, I reckon you'll recognise this, it's, but it's more a critique for people like me and I, I take it. It's like we put, our, we put our faith and our hope in the church rather than in Jesus. And there's been for the last 20 or 30 years a movement in the West called the Church Growth Movement where out of really good ideas, the assumption is if we get bigger churches, we'll just get more Christians and we'll get more of the kingdom. And... It has come with the right intent, but it hasn't, it's been a little bit of the emperor has no clothes. Because what happened over time, I don't think pastors or leaders, people like me, meant to do this, but what happens is we start looking to the world for ideas on how do we grow the church? How do we get bigger buildings? How do we, um, and, and we can do this in all sorts of ways. We look to psychology about how do, how do groups of people work, and there's truth in that. We can look at things like, we can look, Jesus into leadership principles and organisation dynamics and if we're looking through Jesus we go oh 
we recognize some truth in there, we'll take that. But if we switch that around the other way and we think we're looking at Jesus, but we're actually just looking at these things, we can put our hope in the wrong things. And I'm not telling anyone, if you've been around church for more than five minutes, and around this church even, and we're awesome. This is a great church. And, and I'm awesome too. But I'm not telling you anything you don't know, that if you've been around church for five minutes, eventually if you put your hope in me, or even in this church and we're awesome, we will let you down. You will be let down because you're not meant to put your faith, your hope in the church. It's just us. We're a bunch of humans. Get it wrong together. What is best about us? We all come together and we all agree with, we're looking to Jesus. And so the leader is just meant to be the first follower. So Mark says, says, Part of the problem is we look to the world for solutions rather than putting our hope in Jesus. Then he also says the other problem is you look to the world and we go, you know what? It looks a bit like a Dostoevsky novel out there. We lose hope. We feel hopeless. Look at the breakdown of the family. Look at where morality is at. Look at what happens in politics. Look at, look at all of these things and we go, man, it is a nightmare out there. The world is going to the hell in the handbasket. And then we bring this hopelessness and we come to Revelation and we go, great, come and nuke it. Jesus, Jesus on the weird picture with the horse and the, the come and burn it all down, Jesus. And see, see, this is how we do the hermeneutics thing. We now bring our hopelessness over here where we're meant to be looking at the world through Jesus going, no, no, there's a plan. We're not about whacking weeds. We're planting wheat. But we don't. We come and we take the hopelessness because we put our hope in the world for some reason that it was going to get its act together. It's just us. It's just people like you and me. And we come and lay it over the top of Revelation and we get all sorts of wacky stuff out there. I can send you to a couple of YouTube sites for it if you want. The problem starts and finishes. I'll get the band to come up. Thanks, guys. It starts and finishes with what are you putting your hope in? And it's only Jesus. It's who Jesus is. I mean, and this sounds like a cliche now and a bumper sticker. But sometimes there's the simplicity on the other side of complexity. One of my favourite quotes is, I couldn't, I couldn't give a hill of beans for simplicity this side of complexity. When we just simplified, oh, just follow Jesus. But I'd give my life for simplicity on the other side of complexity. To say, actually, you need to put your hope in Jesus. He's the only one that is able. It's who Jesus says about you.